Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job or a new full-time role, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com. That's ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Sergio Garcia finally did it. I remember the first time I really heard about Sergio Garcia. I was 20 years old. He was 19. I was studying abroad in England, and the British Open was taking place, and the headline of the London newspaper there that I was looking at said, quote, the Spanish Tiger, and it was a picture of Sergio Garcia, and this was in 1999, and the thought was that this was the guy who was going to step to the forefront and challenge Tiger Woods, create a Euro versus an American young superstar contest and early on it seemed possible that that might be the case because I believe Sergio came in second overall at the PGA Tour championship and there was a a hope for a long time there if you guys remember golf back in those days that somebody was going to ascend to challenge Tiger Woods but Sergio never could quite get it done and I feel like the burden of expectations eventually started to weigh on him. I believe it was 2008 he lost a playoff in the British Open final. And he won the Players' Championship. And obviously he was very, very good in the Ryder Cup match play events. But he just never could quite find a way to win a championship. And why was it that he couldn't win a major? It was because inevitably his putting would fail him. And at 37 years old, there was a legitimate question about whether or not he was ever going to finally win a championship. And 
man, what a compelling, incredible, amazing afternoon of golf Sunday was because Sergio went from a three-stroke lead to, I believe, a two-stroke deficit. I don't think he got behind by three. Maybe he did. Maybe it's a six-stroke swing. And then there was a point in time, I believe it was on 14, where his shot went underneath an azalea bush. He had to cross over a creek. He had to take an unplayable lie and drop his golf ball. And by the way, some of you losers out there, whoever you were, called in and tried to penalize Sergio a stroke because they said that his ball moved when he moved a pine needle near his ball. Did you guys catch up with that? It's unbelievable. Got to change that rule. And he managed to get a miraculous par out of that situation. And at the same time, the guy that he was playing against, Justin Rose, managed to miss a very makeable birdie putt, keeping it at minus eight versus minus six. And from that point forward, it was as if Sergio realized he still had life in this contest, and he was able to overcome missing uh, a putt on 18. That, to be honest with you, I think he hit 75 or 80% of the time. We've got some audio cuts for you, and I want to play those. Here is Sergio down the stretch. To become the third Spaniard to win here at Augusta National. Sergio checks the line, slides the putter blade behind the ball, reaches down with that pencil grip, eyes the line one more time. Ball on its way toward the hole, and it stays right the whole way. He thought that ball would fall left. It stayed outside right the entire way. Now, that was a bad miss, and it was the kind of miss that if you golf at all, and I golf poorly, but everybody has hit a putt that never had a chance. And you hit it, and the moment you hit it, you're like, what was I thinking? It's even more remarkable a putt like that could happen when you have a caddy. How is it that you could not even be close to making that putt? He thought the ball was going to break a lot more. And so they went into overtime, if you want to call it. They went into an extra hole. They go back to 18 and play it again. So Sergio Garcia, having just missed an opportunity to win that tournament, has to go back to 18 and hit a drive, and he hits a fantastic drive. Justin Rose puts his underneath the magnolia tree, and as a result, Sergio Garcia got another opportunity, and this was his putt on 18 in the playoff to win it. Sergio Garcia, he set, brings the putter back, ball on its way toward the hole, and it's in with birdie. Sergio Garcia, birdie, on the first playoff hole here in the 81st Masters. And we also got Sergio's reaction, and mentally it was a big part, obviously, of his success, and here's what he had to say. I thought I had it on 18. Uh, I thought I, I hit the putt exactly where I wanted. Uh, I practiced that putt in the practice round, and it breaks left, and for some reason it didn't. Uh, but, you know, I knew that I was playing well. I felt today, I felt the calmest I've ever felt on a, on a, major, on a major Sunday. And um, even after making a couple of bogeys, I was, I was still very positive. Uh, I still believed that... There were a lot of holes that I could that I could get to. You know, I hit some really good shots coming in, and I'm so happy. So much of Sergio's failures over the years, it seemed to me, was about the way that his mind worked. It wasn't about the talent at all, because from a talent perspective, Sergio Garcia has been a top-ten player for a very long time. 
but you could always see, and in fact, if you went back and followed me on Twitter during the course of uh, of this round, I feel like there were a lot of people, myself included, rooting for Sergio, who felt like he was going to fall apart, who felt like despite everything that, uh, that that you might hope in terms of Sergio Garcia finally getting a win, that something was going to go awry. And you know what? It did. And Sergio gave up that early three-stroke lead. But when things went bad for him, it was almost like he had that reservoir to go back and calm himself and surge back into contention. And that's why so much of golf is mental. And I'm not a very good golfer, but I love playing golf because it's entirely on you. Right? The great thing about golf is every single shot that you hit, there's nobody else anywhere to blame. A lot of golf, a lot of sports is about teamwork. It's complicated to figure out who's responsible for for whatever happens. In golf, every single shot is entirely on you. And moreover, every single shot that you hit, you have to deal with. That's why it's like life. If you make a bad decision and you put yourself in a bad perspective, bad position for shot two, you got to go hit it. You can stand around, you can gripe, you can bitch and moan. And be really upset about the process that you've created for yourself. But ultimately, you have to go stand over the ball and hit a second shot. Every single shot has consequences. And that's how you end up in the position that you do. And sometimes, let's be honest, you find yourself standing over ball thinking to yourself, how in the world did I end up here? And it's just, it, to me, it is a great game. It really is a great game. And if you think about Sergio finally getting his first major at the age of 37... What a great story that is. Fiance is there on the uh, just off the green, and I'm going to go around the horn, but I imagine that everybody on this show was rooting for Sergio. Jason Martin, were you all in on rooting for Sergio? Unquestionably. After watching that guy for years and years and years find a way to not be able to get out of his own way, it was always in his head. Dude had all the talent in the world, as you said, and it just looked like he was never going to put it together. And I was waiting for him to collapse, too, especially against somebody that seemed as mentally tough as Justin Rose. And it's not like Rose fell apart. Somehow, Garcia got a couple of mea culpas and was able to use it to finally win. It was incredible. I I, I can't imagine. I can't remember a time I was as happy for somebody to win a major as I was for Sergio to win his first finally yesterday. It was an awesome Sunday in many respects because there were so many guys who came out able to win. Uh, I think there were, whatever, 10 people within three strokes or whatever the number was. There were a ton of people out there that had a chance to win, and instead it ended up in this great duel between the two of them. Danny G and Robert, were you guys rooting for Sergio as well? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, selfishly, I had a few chips on Rory, and what he finished in seventh place at the start of Sunday, I was like, "Come on, move up!" But once it, it once I could tell Rory was out of contention, it was all about Sergio. When the weekend started, I told my girl we were watching together. I said, "Wow, look at Sergio! He's starting to look a little older." You know, the the gray coming through the goatee, and it. I remember him as a kid, just like you, Clay. We all thought that maybe he'd be the guy that could challenge Tiger, um, and they were both kids at that point in their careers. And so to watch him over the course of his career and finally get to witness this, it was a pretty amazing Sunday. I mean, he's been in the public eye for nearly 20 years now. And for everybody out there who's been watching him and wondering when he was going to win a championship and uh, what was it, 73 straight majors that he had played in and not won, 
a major, and he had the loss in the overtime to in the in extra holes or whatever you want to call it uh, with uh, P- Patty Harrington in the open like eight years ago, and you felt like was it ever going to happen for him? Like you said, thirty-seven. I mean, he's not that young anymore, uh, and you know he's he's really kind of grown up in front of most people who watch golf. And so I think you could see certainly in the Masters gallery reactions, you could see everybody out there. It seemed as if everybody at the Masters wanted this to happen for Sergio. And so seeing that reaction in the gallery, seeing uh, how awesome it was at 18 when everybody leapt up when he won in uh, in the in the playoff. I mean, just a an amazing day and an amazing event to finish off with in Augusta. And I can't imagine how incredible it feels for Sergio Garcia to finally have that major. And after being so close for so long, I wonder now whether he might win a couple more because now the the pressure of not having won one major is gone. Getting that first one is so massive that once you get that first one, it wouldn't shock me if he went over in the in the Open Championship in, in England this uh, this summer and, and won that one too. Uh, we'll see. But I think if I were betting, and I'll go around the horn here. Would you bet on Sergio winning at least one more major in the next three or four years? Because I would. I, I think there's a very good chance that he wins now. I mean, yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the same could have been said about Dustin Johnson before he finally got the monkey off his back as well. Those are two guys that had the talent, but things just, whether it was not grounding a club in the PGA Championship for Dustin or whatever it was for Sergio once you kind of get that first one out, I do think absolutely he should be a favorite or certainly one of the favorites going forward in all of the majors this year and probably for the next two or three. One of the things that I think is also fascinating about this win is coupled with Tony Romo deciding to retire, I, who is the guy out there right now who's in sports that you think is the next guy? I, mean, I think because I think after Romo retired, I think that Sergio, for most people who are sports fans, is the guy who hasn't done it yet that is most deserving or needing of a championship and obviously there have been a lot of guys over the past several years it feels like I mean we we saw the Chicago Cubs finally win a championship we saw the city of Cleveland finally win a championship LeBron James bring back a championship I mean 2016 into 17 has been a pretty incredible year for sports fans but who is the guy out there right now I'm going to ask this question when we come back you guys can hop on and give us a call if you want to weigh in 877-996-6369 who is the next guy up the guy who deserves a championship that hasn't quite gotten it done in any sport because I think Sergio is probably if you follow golf at the very top of the list I'm not sure there's a guy in golf now that you point to and say Man, when is he ever going to get it done? Is there somebody in baseball? Is there somebody in basketball? Is there somebody out there in uh, football who you see as the next man up, the next guy you're asking, the best not to have won yet? 877-996-6369. want to tell you, drive the new Duralast GT brake pads, proven tough from the tracks to the streets, sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We are in the zone here, Monday show. Hope your week is off to a great start. We're trying to make that at least somewhat the case. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis, and you are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. 
Lots of you uh, weighing in on Twitter. You can find me all the time at Clay Travis, uh, at Clay Travis on Twitter. And uh, this is uh, the question that I was asking. Now that Sergio has won a championship, now that Sergio has won a championship, who is the guy out there in sports that you think he's the most due? He's the next guy up. I mean, Romo would have been, I think, almost a unanimous decision if Romo was coming back for another year. Most of you who are NFL fans would point to Tony Romo and say, okay, this is a guy who's due to win a championship. A lot of different arguments probably out there. A couple of names that immediately came up from you guys uh, that, that have occurred a bunch of different times to people. Michael Kaiser says Kevin Durant. Durant's still relatively young, but he's obviously been in the finals a couple of times, and now the Golden State Warriors are rolling into the uh, into the NBA playoffs. I think that's a good one. Matt Ryan, a lot of people are going to say Matt Ryan. That's from Zach Jewell. A lot of people are going to say Matt, uh, Matt Ryan because obviously Matt Ryan lost a game that none of us thought that the Falcons were going to lose, but he's still not that old. I feel like Matt Ryan coming into last year's playoffs because he'd only won one playoff game in his career, a lot of people didn't believe necessarily in Matt Ryan. But even though he lost in the Super Bowl, the fact that they dominated like they did, the Falcons did, took down Russell Wilson and the Seahawks by a substantial margin, took down the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers by a substantial margin, and then rolled into the playoffs and really had Tom Brady and the Patriots totally on the ropes. If they make a better decision play-calling-wise in that game and don't decide to drop back and pass on third and one, get sack, strip, fumble, and uh, recovery by the Patriots there, I think Matt Ryan's Super Bowl champ. But he's still only 31, which isn't that old in the grand scheme of things in the uh, in the context of the NFL. Because Matt Ryan has not really had any serious injuries. If you're a Falcons fan, knock on wood somewhere. You think that he's probably got seven or eight good years left if you use Brady and Breeze as kind of a rough approximation of what he's capable of, given the fact that he hasn't had any serious injuries. Uh, Jason Martin, what about you? What names immediately come to mind? Now that Sergio has won that Masters title, what names would you put on the list of best not to have won a championship yet? Outside of some of the guys that you mentioned, I think Lee Westwood, who's 43, who's been on the doorstep since dating back to Torrey Pines when it ended up being Rocco Mediate and Tiger Woods back in 2008, and Westwood had the uh, third-round lead going into Sunday. He's probably one of the guys, certainly on top of that list, that's been in contention so many times, hasn't gotten it done. Another couple of guys, Alexander Ovechkin's 31, but he's been playing hockey seemingly forever in the NHL and has not actually been able to win a Stanley Cup. And then the other guy, just to give the L.A. crowd some love, Clayton Kershaw is only 29, but we're getting to that point where as dominant as he's been as a pitcher, still has not been able to win a World Series for the Dodgers. Danny G, Justin, any guys that jump out to you guys on the list that you think they net, they're definitely rising to the top of the list? Because I think Sergio, if you pay attention to golf at all, and I love golf, if you pay attention to golf at all, Sergio had to be number one. And now that Sergio has won and now that Romo has retired, I think there's a little bit of a void and you can have a legitimate discussion about who should be at the top of that list now. Yeah. Uh, J-Mart took mine. The first uh, player that popped in my mind was Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and I think he is going to get one here in the next couple of seasons. And, Clay, the one where I rooted for him like crazy to get one, and unfortunately he's retired now, Allen Iverson. I know he's not playing anymore, but he was the one dude where he put that team on his back to get to the finals, remember, that season? And I just really wished he would have got a, a, a ring. The NBA is so difficult in that respect because – 
there are times when in the NFL, let's say, or Major League Baseball, and certainly in hockey, where a team you don't anticipate that may have a star player can surge to the top. The NBA is so dominated by stars that if you don't find... That's why I didn't have any problem with Kevin Durant deciding to leave Oklahoma City and go to Golden State. If you don't find yourself on the right team at the right point in time, you might miss your window. And I know people said, oh, it was so crappy of Kevin Durant to leave Oklahoma City. I don't feel like Oklahoma City was necessarily going to win a championship with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Now, maybe I'm wrong. And certainly Durant leaving has given Russell Westbrook an opportunity to have a transcendent season that he would have never had otherwise. And you have to enjoy watching Westbrook play. But what is Oklahoma City? A seven seed? I don't even know. I haven't looked at the bottom of the Western Conference right now. I mean, they're not going to win. They're not the seven because they're playing the, uh, I know, the the six, I think, right? They're probably not going to win a series. Right, And so as good as individual brilliant and as individually brilliant as Russell Westbrook's season has been, he's going to probably become the guy that moves to the top of the NBA list. Don't you guys think once, let's assume, and I, I do think that it's going to happen. I think the Warriors are going to win this year. Kevin Durant's going to get a championship. I feel like Russell Westbrook is probably going to move to the top of that list for this reason. Because he's been in the finals a couple of times with Durant. And Harden, as good as he is, has not been there with the Houston Rockets. And so I feel like most people are going to turn to Westbrook and start to answer, ask the question, which I think is a fair one, will Russell Westbrook ever win a title? Because he's now committed to Oklahoma City for multi-years. I don't know what's going to happen at Oklahoma City that's suddenly going to make them able to contend in the West with the top teams. And so I think that's a fair question to ask about Westbrook. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a valid question as a Thunder fan, and I don't think he can win in Oklahoma City the way that they're – certainly the way that they're currently comprised. I still believe he's probably going to leave the next opportunity he does, uh, maybe next off season. I could still see him ending up with the Lakers, and then you maybe can ask that question. Right now, I don't think you can ask it because Westbrook knows he can't win a championship right now even with 42 triple-doubles and three with 50 points or more. I mean, he just doesn't have enough. So I don't know that you can put him on the list because all these other guys are in situations where they could win. Durant with the Warriors, Ryan on the doorstep with the Falcons, Cam was in the Super Bowl uh, with the Panthers just a couple of years ago, Clayton Kershaw was in the playoffs again last year, Gonzaga, who I mentioned as potentially being somebody you could put on that list in the finals. I don't think you can do that for the Thunder now that it's just Westbrook and everybody else. Several people hopping on Twitter. You can share your uh, suggestion with me uh, on Twitter at Clay Travis. Philip Rivers, obviously a guy who's been very good at quarterback for a long time. I don't know that the Chargers are that close to winning a championship, but Rivers is up there, given the fact that the guy played with a torn ACL in the championship game against the Colts. I think it's hard. you're hard-pressed to not point to Phillip Rivers and say this guy does deserve to be in a Super Bowl, does deserve to play for a championship at some point. And a good one uh, here from T-Bell's uh, 93, Jim Harbaugh. If you want to go coach to win a championship – Harbaugh has been close, right? I mean, obviously, with Colin Kaepernick, they're throwing into the end zone, trying to win a championship at the end against the Ravens. And the success level that he's had in Michigan at years two and three, but he still hasn't won a championship. So I, I think Harbaugh would, would probably have to be up at the top of that list as a uh, as a college football coach for sure. I don't know how many other coaches you would point to and say, this guy is due to win a championship. And in college basketball or college football, Harbaugh is up at the at the top of the list. Maybe you could go to D'Antonio. I mean, he's been fairly close, right? I, I mean, but 
I feel like he's built the Michigan State program up to such a high level that maybe a lot of people look at Michigan State and say he's taking them about as far as he possibly can. In college basketball, a lot would have pointed to Gonzaga and Mark Few. He got to the title game. I feel like college basketball, to a certain extent, getting to the Final Four, it isn't a championship, but it's a validation of coaching. And so before Mark Few got to the Final Four, you could have pointed to him and said, he hasn't ever gotten to the Final Four. Now that they got there and you know we're up, what? We're up a point with two and a half minutes to go. I don't think there's anybody out there who can say, oh, Gonzaga's never going to win a championship. I think there were people coming into this year's NCAA tournament who would have said, oh, Gonzaga's good, but they're kind of a sideshow. They're never going to have the success in the tournament to lead to a championship. Getting to the Final Four and then getting to the title game, they didn't win it, but I think Mark Few answered those critics and said, yes, we can, and that's an important step. Um, uh, Okay, we'll take your calls. 877-996-6369 if you want to hop in. Hour one of what should be a fun week, I would hope, here on Outkick the Coverage. Dive in, 877-996-6369. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And I also want to tell you, with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Speaking of guys who are trying to become the next Sergio, win a championship after being around the area for a long time. A couple of good names from Jose Rivalcaba here. CP3. I think Chris Paul has been close for a while, and Every time I think about Chris Paul now, I do wonder what the NBA would look like if the decision had not been overruled by the, at the time it was, they weren't the Pelicans yet, right? They were still the the, the New Orleans, uh, or whatever the heck their name, what was their, I can't even remember their name now before they, they switched from the, the Hornets. Yeah, right. Remember they tried to trade Chris Paul and then David Stern and crew said, no, 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 you can't make that trade. What would have happened to the Lakers if they had gotten Chris Paul? Maybe they still wouldn't have won anything. Maybe the Lakers would still be awful. Maybe not. But Chris Paul. And then the other one, I think for NFL head coaches, this is right, Andy Reid. Andy Reid has won a lot of playoff games over the years, despite the fact that he gets ridiculed for clock management and everything else, not to have won a Super Bowl. He's been in one Super Bowl, right, when Donovan McNabb was there. Terrell Owens came off the uh, the, the leg injury, and uh, they just couldn't get it done late against the Patriots. But Andy Reid, probably for coaches in the NFL, is the guy who has been the closest and most maybe deserves a championship there. Some people saying Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony has not ever really been that close, right? I mean, they they won it. Did they make the semifinals with Denver one time? Yes, they were in the Western Finals, lost to the Lakers. Yeah. So uh, the final four of the NBA at least once, but that's it. And I don't think Carmelo Anthony, I mean, the poor Knicks. I don't know what's going to end up happening with the Knicks. Uh, let's uh, let's see. Chris Paul is 31. Larry Fitzgerald is a great one. Larry Fitzgerald is a great one. 33 years old, went to one Super Bowl. They had an incredible comeback, almost won that game. Kurt Warner almost got his second Super Bowl title. Instead, Big Ben and the Steelers make a uh, incredible play down the stretch to uh, to win that Super Bowl. That's a good one. Larry Fitzgerald is an outstanding NFL guy who probably his time has passed. I don't think that, you know, they had that one blip where you thought, okay, maybe they're going to be able to uh, to make a run again with Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer, if this were a couple of years ago, would be a great choice. Because 
when he was at his before, let's take go back in time before his ACL gets torn in that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The expectation, I'm sorry, Cincinnati Bengals fans, the expectation was that what he and Chad Johnson, before he became Ocho Cinco, were going to be capable of, we're going to be like the Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison of the next kind of generation. And then Carson Palmer's knee got blown up, and they never won a, a playoff game there in Cincinnati, and he wanted out, and everything fell apart in a hurry. But Carson Palmer was the guy that you felt like was so close for so many years. And then finally, he won a couple of playoff games. They got into, uh, or one playoff game, they got into the AFC, uh, the NFC title game and just got destroyed by the Carolina Panthers. And that beating was so bad that it felt like they had almost a one-year hangover. And now Carson Palmer's 37 years old, and it's hard to believe he's going to be back. Um, let's go back to Joel in uh, Pennsylvania. Joel, Joel, what's up? Hey, Clay, what's going on? First time calling in. Great show. I love it. Appreciate it. Uh, guy uh, that probably hasn't been mentioned much, uh, Jerome Aginla. It seems like he gets traded every year to a either a cup contender or a, you know at least a playoff team. Other teams trying to get him a cup, but, I mean, he never gets I mean, he was traded to Pittsburgh. He was traded to L.A. this year. Just hasn't, and he's probably 37, 38 years old himself. Yeah, no, I appreciate the call. Uh, a couple of other guys that are getting on the list here. Vince Carter. I got Vince Carter from several people. Obviously, Vince still playing with the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies are unfortunately, I think, going to get beaten by the Spurs in the first round of the playoffs because there's not a lot of suspense coming in the first round of the NBA playoffs this year. And Vince Carter is 40 now, right? And I think perpetually that one story that hung over him, were they playing the Sixers the year he went to graduate? During the during the NBA playoffs, do you remember that story? He went and walked with his uh, with his graduating class at North Carolina, and it was a big controversy. And I feel like it was the Sixers that beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals, it and was. that was the year that AI got to the Eastern Conference Finals. They won Game One, if I remember correctly. They had Allen Iverson posing on the front of Sports Illustrated. The Allen Iverson Larry Brown relationship was a big one, and then the Sixers won Game One, if I remember correctly and then lost four straight to the Lakers that year. And that was the famous, if I remember correctly, that was the famous AI steps over Tyron Lue on the court. Because remember, they the Lakers broke out Lue then is like, and, and labeled him their Allen Iverson start, stopper. I'm remembering that correctly, right, Jason Martin? You're my NBA guy. Like, all that yes, stuff all happened that at the same accurate. time. Yes. Um, let's go to uh, James in uh, Houston. What's up, James? Hi, uh, I had a couple of names for baseball for you as players who I thought were would be argued as some of the greatest of all time who have never won a championship. Uh, one who's probably never going to win a championship and nowhere close uh, would be Ichiro Suzuki, who I think would probably one of the few people you could list with Pete Rose in terms of just pure ability to get hit. Another one who, who may actually have a chance uh, but is getting up there to where time's running out would be Carlos Beltran. Who's, uh, he's, he's kind of, when you talk about players who've sniffed close, he's gone to the, the World Series a couple times and never actually walked off with that actual championship. And I think most people would probably put him among the, uh, the great two. And so I just wanted to toss those two names out to you for the, the baseball. Yeah, our guy, Mar- John Morosi mentioned Beltran last week on the show. He's going to join us if you're a baseball guy every Thursday in hour two. Is that right, Jason Martin? Yes, yes, every Thursday. 
Um, and so that that's going to be uh, pretty good because he can help to uh, to fill in all the gaps here uh, when it comes to uh, to baseball. It is interesting that I don't think, and I'm curious if you guys agree with me, in terms of team sports and our focus on who's won a championship, it seems to me that football is probably right up there with basketball in that we spend so much time talking about whether or not guys have won championships, but only in the NFL if you're a quarterback. By and large, if you're not a quarterback, there isn't a lot of time spent on whether or not you have won a title. In the NBA, it's if you're a star player and you haven't won a title, we really, really fixate on rings. I don't think we fixate as much in baseball or we maybe on the team. Like this team hasn't gotten it done. Obviously, the Cubs were a major story. The the failure of the Cleveland Indians over the past several years. The Boston Red Sox before that. We focused on the team, but not as much the player. Is that is that is that accurate? Do you think? Like if we were breaking down the amount of time you spend talking about championships. That NFL at quarterback and the NBA at any player in general, we spend so much more time fixated on those championships than we do Major League Baseball or hockey in terms of championships. Yeah, I would agree. I would say third on that list wouldn't wouldn't be baseball or hockey. I think it would go football, basketball, and then it would go golf because we talk about who's won majors and who hasn't. That's, yeah, that's why the Sergio I, I, narrative was so big yesterday. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And that's why in golf, if you're young and you go ahead and knock one out, like imagine how much of pressure Jordan Spieth would have on him if he had never won a major and he had had the performance at 12 in back-to-back years coming down the stretch. I mean, that would be an, a, a huge weight on on Jordan Spieth's shoulders. Instead, do we have that clip? In an amazing clip, Jordan Spieth was like, yeah, it sucks basically not to win this year at Augusta, but I'll be coming back here for 50 years playing. And you're like, oh, wow. You know, I mean, the guy's probably, he's 100% telling the truth. You know, I mean, he won at 22 years old or whatever he did. He's still incredibly young. You know, like, he's going to be there at Augusta probably at long after most of the people listening to this show this morning have all passed and he'll still be playing golf at Augusta. It was a pretty cocky response, but it's 100% true. Uh, all right, let's go. Uh, let's go to break. We'll come back. Take a few more of your calls, 877-996-6369. I want to dive into this LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers story because they somehow managed to lose to the Atlanta Falcons twice, including last night giving up a, or yesterday afternoon, a 26-point lead in the fourth quarter. I'm on record as saying I don't think the Cavs are going to win the Eastern Conference. We can probably talk about that a decent amount here as we come into hour two. Does anybody else agree with me, or do you still think the Cavs are in great shape? 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Time for the Geico play of the day. Oklahoma City Thunder in the playoffs as the sixth seed in the West. Russell Westbrook may well be the league MVP. Yesterday in Denver, he knocked the Nuggets out of the playoffs with a game winner amidst a 50-point triple-double. Here's how it sounded. Into Adams, back to Westbrook, long angle left, 20 for three, the buzzer, ka-ching, a Thunder money ball. Westbrook captivates the crowd, caps the comeback, OKC wins it 106-25, as the force is able to come through with the biggest comeback you can imagine, baby. That call courtesy WWLS Thunder Radio Network, that's a game winner from 36 feet to stun the Nuggets, Russell Westbrook, flat out extraordinary. 42 triple-doubles this season, broken Oscar Robertson's record of 41. Three of those games came with 50 points or more. Stat lines are staggering. Is he the favorite to win the MVP over James Harden? It seems like that's likely. LeBron, 
just got something to make him angry when somebody else wins the MVP. That's your play of the day presented by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Evidently, I said that LeBron had lost to the Atlanta Falcons twice and over the weekend. Well, that would be certainly a surprise. Although I do think the Falcons' offense would be hard to stop by anybody, including the Cleveland Cavalier defense. The way they're playing defense, they can't stop anybody on the hard court. I don't think they could stop anybody on the field either. And I'm of the opinion that LeBron and co. are in real trouble in the Eastern Conference. I don't believe they are going to win the Eastern Conference this year. In fact, the way it's set up right now, you guys have made, I think it was uh, Jason Martin and maybe Justin, stepped in and made some bold predictions here that you think there's a possibility the Wizards could pull off an upset. And the way that's setting up, right, is the Wizards would be the second-round opponent right now. I think that's basically locked in of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I'm not not necessarily going to predict they're going to win. I'm saying if anybody's going to give them the most trouble, I think it's Washington. And if there was one team that would beat them that would stun me less than the rest, it's the Wizards. I just think they're built well against the Cavaliers in particular. And they've they've beaten them as well this season. They're a pretty good basketball team with some real talent and some real speed. And one thing that the Cleveland Cavaliers don't do well – keep people in front of them defensively. You look at John Wall, that would not be the guy you would want to face if you're struggling defensively on the outside. We'll talk a little bit more about the Cavs here as we begin Hour 2. I want to go to your calls. I also want to point out that several of you have suggested that Mark Rick, for a college football coach, even more, I think that's fair, even more than Jim Harbaugh, Mark Rick, now the head coach of Miami, longtime head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, is a guy that really does deserve to win a championship. Now, he's won a couple of SEC titles, but that's been a while ago, and I would love to see, I'm going to be honest with you, I would love to see him take Miami to the promised land once more because I think Mark Rick's one of the best guys in college football. It would be cool to see him actually win a title. Let's take a couple of your quick calls here. Travis in Maryland. What's up, Travis? Hey, what's up, Clay? How's life? Um, I wanted to bring up uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Redneck G's off the NASCAR. Uh, 2004, closed to a championship and got a huge points penalty for cursing in victory lane and that cost in his victory lane interview that cost him a championship. But yeah, big name that wasn't brought up. He's 42 now and he's still looking for it. He's never won the overall championship. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, even though I I live, grew up in the South, I'm not a NASCAR guy. But he's never won the points championship in NASCAR. No. Yeah, 2004 was as close as he got. And he cursed in a victory lane interview. You said, I know how much you like Tom Rolls. And that got a big points penalty, and that cost him the championship. That's that unbelievable. So, wait, he would have won the championship in 04 if he hadn't cursed in an interview? I don't know the exact numbers. Uh, he might have not won it, but he was in the points lead and won at Talladega and cursed in his victory lane interview. He cursed in his victory lane interview, and that cost him the championship. Potentially, he took him out of the running. Basically, I'm, that's an insane story. If that's true, Jason Martin, you know a little bit about NASCAR. Do you remember that being? Do you remember that story? I do not. I mean, yeah, I, I know a very, very little <laughs> bit about, it, especially considering I was born in a town that has had a NASCAR track since before I was born. But I, I'll look it up now. I did not know that story at all. That's an amazing story. If that's true, if that cost him the championship, overall points championship, Andy in California. What's up, Andy? Did we lose Andy? He's been on the Sharks for like 50 years. 
and still hasn't won a championship. So I just want to bring that up, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, he said, uh, who did he say? Talking about uh, Patrick Marlowe okay. of the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I feel like at least in the NHL, you again, I talk about this all the time. In the NHL, the seeding doesn't matter that much. NHL playoffs now are set, um, and if your goalie gets hot and things break your way, you can be the overall eight seed in, in either division and win the championship, right? You can do it in the NFL. You can do it in Major League Baseball. The only sport we talk a lot about that matters where the seeding dictates everything so far is the NBA. And we're going to talk about the NBA a little bit when we come back. Have the Cavs collapsed? I think they have. I don't think the Cavs are going to win the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to lose two games in their first-round series. I think they're going to lose three in the second-round series and win in seven. And then I think they're going to lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. I really do. I think the Cavs are beaten. Beaten team. You can agree or disagree. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. First hour in the books. Two more to come. Wake up. It's Monday. We're going to get you off to a good start for your week here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. If you paid attention at all to the NBA over the weekend... And probably a lot of you didn't because it's the very end of the NBA regular season and a lot of teams are already slotted into their playoff positioning. The Cavs had an intriguing weekend. They were playing on Friday night, I believe it was, the Atlanta Hawks. And the Hawks were coming up to Cleveland and they were starting three white guys. And if you heard anything about LeVar Ball's comments, you probably thought to yourself, "Uh uh-oh, Cavs are screwed. Racist. (laughs) Cavs are screwed. The The Hawks are screwed. The Cavs are screwed because they're going up against three white guys. There's no way on earth they could possibly hope to contend. LeVar Ball said he can't start three white guys and win a championship. Well, the Hawks started three white guys, went on the road, and flat out whipped the Cleveland Cavaliers. That was a little bit of an eye-opening experience. And they're playing in Atlanta, but they'll probably go ahead and teach the Hawks the Hawks. A lesson. I got to keep saying Hawks because I'm not used to talking about the Hawks compared to the Falcons after so much time talking about the Falcons. And so the expectation was that the Cavs would come into town and they would, you know, take care of them. And they did. To the extent that they were up 26 points in the fourth quarter and then they fell apart and they ended up losing in overtime. So I believe that the Cavs have got serious issues. They're now tied again with Boston coming down the stretch. Now Cleveland would have the tie break. But the, the Cavs finish out now. There's 80 games played so far of the 82-game season. The Cavs finish out at the Heat. I think there's a good chance the Heat beat the Cavs. The Heat are fighting for a playoff spot. And then they host the Raptors. The Raptors, not a ton to play for, although they're not that far out of first place either in Toronto. Okay, that's how the, uh, that's how the Cavs finish. LeBron was asked about what he thought about the importance of home court, and he had this to say. For me, it's never been about trying to get the number one seed. It's just trying to play as great as basketball as you can every single night. And whatever happens, happens. So the best thing for our team is that we want to go down the stretch and be healthy. So the Cavs losing twice, losing on Friday to the Hawks and then losing again on Sunday. And as surprising as the home loss was, you could at least then attribute it to maybe the, the Cavs just weren't showing up. Maybe it was some sort of issue associated with a little bit of a hangover from winning basically the conference title by going out 
and beating the crap out of the Boston Celtics on the road. But now, I don't know. I mean, would it stun you? I said before that I think the Cavs are going to lose two games. Now, we don't know who they're going to be playing yet in the eighth spot. Chicago and Miami are still kind of fighting over who's going to be that final team to make it. The Bulls recently beat the Cavs. The Miami Heat have played really well in the second half of the season. Do you think that it's 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 crazy for me to say that the Cavs will lose two games to whoever the eighth seed is that they play in the first round of the NBA playoffs for them? Mm, I, I don't know that it's egregious by you. I would think maybe one, although Miami... I don't think Chicago beats them twice. I think Miami could potentially beat them twice. Miami has some things that could cause some problems for Cleveland. I think it just depends how they come out of the gates. Are they going to come out sluggish, or are they going to come out ready to play? If they come out ready to play, they could sweep either one of those two teams. Is this good for the NBA? Because my argument for you would be that in the Western Conference, I think just about every single person listening to us, I, Golden State has won, what, 14 games in a row? since they, I think I'm correct in this. Since they lost three in a row and finished that off by resting all their starters in that game against the Spurs, I don't believe they've lost, have they? I think they have won every game since they rested their starters in that NBA primetime Saturday night game on ESPN. I think that was the third straight loss. And that was when Steve Kerr said, look, we've had a brutal road schedule. It's been awful. I can't imagine any team being able to handle this. Basically, all these different excuses. I don't think Golden State has lost since then. And Kevin Durant came back, and they rested Steph Curry in the game, and they, they were totally in a roll. And I, I don't know what their situation is going to be now that they've locked up home court advantage. Are they going to play uh, everybody tonight against the Jazz? The Jazz, obviously, a pretty good team. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, and then when they finish out with the Lakers, I think they could probably start their second team and beat the Lakers, although the Lakers should be tanking and they aren't tanking. So who knows what the decision process is in the NBA. But I think a lot of people sitting around out there listening to us right now as you go to the end of your work on Monday morning, you're of the opinion that it's going to be the Warriors coming out of the West. And if you're not convinced it's going to be the Warriors coming out of the West, you're at least thinking to yourself, okay, the Warriors are going to play the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals. There's not a lot of other things that I should be worried about. I think that the NBA is going to get a little bit of a boost because I think that Cleveland is going to lose a couple of games in the first round, and there'll be a lot of talk about what's going on with the Cavs and do they have any possibility of contending with the West. Because if Cleveland was coming into the playoffs, and let's say instead of being 51-29 and 29 and with the worst defensive efficiency – if they were 61-19 and 19 and they were 10 games better than anybody else in the Eastern Conference, I think everybody would be saying, man, the NBA playoffs are a total waste. As is, maybe some of you don't buy into the fact that the Cavs are actually in trouble. I do. I think this Cavs team is flawed. I don't think they're good defensively. I think they're going to have legitimate issues with every round that they play in the Eastern Conference. And then if they're fortunate enough to advance to the Western Conference, to play the Western Conference champ, I think they're going to get dominated in the finals. I do not believe that Cleveland is a legitimate contender right now to win the championship in the NBA. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, I did, and I, I was oh, sure you're they flipping were going to win it a you're month and a half. I'm flipping on them, yeah. I'm you're flipping, flipping on them now. Because I've been on it for a while, and then I got a little bit nervous when I saw what happened against Boston, and I came on on Friday, I think, or Thursday, or whatever day it was, and I said, look, if the Cavs dominate and go out and, and crush everybody in the playoffs after the way they played in the regular season – then I'm not going to pay attention to the NBA regular season ever again because the Cavs would clearly have just been toying with us. But after seeing what happened on Friday against Atlanta and seeing what happened again on Sunday against Atlanta, I believe that the Cavs are just a flawed team. 
and they happened to catch the Celtics on a perfect night for them, which happens in basketball, and they gave it to the Celtics. But in general, I, I'm just not a believer. I'm not a believer in LeBron and the Cavs this year. I, don't, I think we've, we've watched them play 80 games, and in those 80 games, they haven't been very good. And now, Jason Martin, you're starting to come on board with me here? Yeah, I don't think that – I think this LeBron James, I expected a much more mentally tough, much more relaxed LeBron James coming into the season. I think he's gotten caught up in things off the floor. I think he's gotten caught up in looking over at the Golden State Warriors and wondering why the hype train is not with Cleveland and has been with Golden State since the beginning. I think he's gotten tied up with things that have really taken him away from being the kind of player he's capable of being. He's still the best player in the world. But, yeah, I just I don't have any faith in them right now. I really don't. I feel like it's Golden State or San Antonio, either one. Whoever comes out of the West is going to end up winning the championship. Danny G and Justin, let's go around the horn here. Do you guys have faith in the Cavs? Well, Clay, faith for them to get to the finals or to actually win once they get there? I mean, are you 100% con- – like, would you be stunned if the Cavs aren't winning the Eastern Conference? No, I would not be stunned. I, okay, so I, I think if you're not stunned at this point, like, coming into the season, I think it's fair to say that if I had told you that the Cavs were not going to win the Eastern Conference, most people listening would have been like, whoa, that's a pretty big surprise, and, and especially the way they finished off the season. So I, I think that in and of itself is, is, is a storyline. And do you also expect, if they do win the Eastern Conference, that they're going to be in significant trouble, whether they face the Warriors or the Spurs? Yeah, I, I think I think if they've if they face the Warriors, I I wonder. I think they would struggle to win a game at this point. It, that's what it seems like. Just the dominance that we're seeing from the Warriors. I also think that the Warriors, after being up three one, I think the Warriors really want to exercise those demons, and I, I don't think they do want to beat the Cavs. I think they want to humiliate the Cavs. I think there's a big part of what's going to drive the Warriors once the playoffs start and once they get to the finals. I think they want Cleveland in the the conference finals, and I think they want to go out and just dominate them and and maybe sweep them, win in five games, whatever they can do to completely eliminate the way that the season ended last year. Because otherwise, we'd be talking about the Cavs as one of the greatest teams. I mean, we'd be talking about the Warriors as one of the greatest teams of all times. Right, I mean, think about how think about how much different the storyline would be in the NBA. The NBA got incredibly fortunate that the Cavs came back from that three-one deficit, and LeBron won the championship for Cleveland. Because if Draymond doesn't get suspended, and they lose in five games, let's say the Warriors close it out in Game Five, and then they're the two-time defending champs, the entire season story. Once they add Kevin Durant, is this is the greatest team in the history of the NBA. And I feel like that hasn't really been the storyline this season, despite the fact that the Warriors have obviously been very good and won 13 or 14 games in a row, even with the injury to Kevin Durant as we come into the playoff season, that the storyline has been what's going on with the Cavs, are the Warriors, I feel like the resting story, I don't, I don't feel like the story has been the Warriors are one of the most dominant teams in the history of the NBA. And look, if they win 68 games... What will that be? Will that be the third best season or fourth best season in the history of the NBA? Am I correct in that? I know 73 and 9 is obviously the best. The Bulls went 72 and 10. Would they be the third or the fourth best season in the history of the NBA if they finished 68 and 14? We'll look that up over this break, but they'll they'll be the third or the fourth best team in the history of the NBA as part of an 82 game season, and we haven't really talked about that at all. Certainly we haven't talked about it on this show. I haven't heard it as a major point of discussion for the NBA season, and I think that's because everybody's been kind of focused on this idea that we're going to get a rematch for the third straight year of Cavs-Warriors in the NBA Finals. 
and that if that happens, this is a rubber match. It's going to be fascinating to see what's going to happen. All of those things at play, but that is uh, that is pretty fascinating to think about. Well, I have a question for you, Clay. If let's say this does play out like like we're saying, and and it's Warriors Cavs in the finals, and the Warriors dominate them, does it take it it away from you that they had to go out and get Kevin Durant in order to do that? Does that take some of the shine off of it? Zero. Because I think the Warriors would win even without Kevin. I mean, the Warriors have won 14 games in a row or whatever the heck it is with Kevin Durant sitting on the bench. I think the Warriors, even without Durant, would be capable of winning the championship again this year, and I think they would still have been the favorite. I think with Durant, it just eliminated the margin of error. I, I, I really don't think there's much of a margin of error right now in terms of what could happen for other teams in order for them to beat the Warriors. So, no, it, it doesn't – I mean, if anything, all it does to me is prove that you're unfortunate if you're in the NBA and you're like Russell Westbrook and you're balling out like you are James Harden, but your teammates around you are not good enough. It just doesn't matter, right? It, it, the in, uh, imbalance that exists right now between the East and the West in the NBA is such that as long as LeBron is in the East – his Cavs are the favorites, right? Now, they may not be playing right well right now, and I don't necessarily think they're going to win the Eastern Conference this year, but there's no disputing that they are the favorites. Vegas is going to tell you they're the best team. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, the trio there is healthy. There's not a lot of great depth. They're not playing well. They don't seem to want to play defense, all those things. But to me, I look at the Western Conference and say, okay, you could make an argument that if Durant had stayed, maybe – Maybe OKC would have a chance to win that overall, uh, to win the Western Conference. But I think Durant's a smart guy. And I think he went back and looked at that series and said, we played about as well as we possibly can, and we still lost. And I think that I've done everything that I can with Russell Westbrook, and we still haven't been able to win a championship. And as a result, I think he's made the decision that if I want to win a championship and get this proverbial monkey off my back, this is what I've got to do. Because once you win a championship, people stop asking that question. If you never do, then look, you extend and you're into your 30s and people are starting to question you. And are you going to be able to steal one like Dirk Nowitzki did where suddenly you go in, the Mavericks get hot, you play extraordinary basketball down the stretch and you upset the Heat like he did? Or are you just trying to wait out LeBron James? Because I do think that whenever LeBron decides to give up the crown, that will substantially alter the dynamics in the NBA. But how many more years does LeBron James have a playing really at a high level? Three or four? And that seems crazy, but LeBron is 31 now, and he doesn't seem to be showing any signs that all this wear and tear and mileage that he's put on his body so far is going to detract from him in the years ahead. So if he's got three or four more years and you're Kevin Durant and you're sitting around saying, man, that's going to take me to 31 or 32 years old, I think this was a smart play. I really do. Uh, in terms of the greatest NBA teams of all time, let's see here. We've got the Warriors, obviously, at 73-9. and nine. We've got the Bulls at 72-10. and 10. The 72 Lakers went 69-13, and 13, and the 97 Bulls went 69-13. and 13. So the Warriors could finish one game behind that as the top five, one of the top five teams in the history of the NBA. And that's with all the rest at play. Because I think, again, the Warriors made the decision this year. We went 73-9 and nine and didn't have enough gas left in the tank. This year, they've obviously taken their foot off the pedal a little bit. I think this team certainly could have contended for over 70 wins. And Durant came back Saturday, as a lot of you know, had a pretty good game. 
Durant has missed 19 games, even with those Warriors potentially going 68 and 14. We'll see what they do against the Jazz tonight. We'll see what they decide to do in the close of the season against the Lakers, since those games really don't matter. But we'll talk about that more. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friends at, let's see, AutoZone. AutoZone, uh, which one am I doing here? When you maximize performance, fuel economy, engine life, you'll save. Get a 5.25 ounces of Lucas Fuel System treatment for just $4.99. Restrictions and details in store. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Coastal Carolina. Have you heard about this story? The cheerleaders were working as escorts. It's a real-life allegation that may well have been proven true. I'll give you the details on it next. God bless the Chanticleers. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Did you guys see this story? It's kind of bubbled up, and I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more attention than than it has. The Coastal Carolina Chanticleers have a cheerleading squad. And that cheerleading squad, evidently, was there was a man who dropped off a... Uh, like a, a anonymous note to allege several different improprieties surrounding those cheerleaders, including the fact that they were working as strippers, that they were working as escorts, that they were using drugs, and that they were cheating on tests. Now, one of those things does not seem like the like the others. Uh, cheerleaders cheating on tests at Coastal Carolina, probably not ideal, but there's a big difference between using drugs, which I think Clearly, probably not that uncommon, assuming they're just smoking pot. I mean, that's not that uncommon on a college campus. But the working as escorts and working as strippers would surprise people unless you believe that porn movies actually are just the God's honest truth. So they suspended the – this is all true. They suspended the Coastal Carolina cheerleading squad. They have conducted their own investigation. And what they have found so far, according to the state newspaper – is that there were girls stripping at a local strip club and also that there were girls who were working as escorts for between $100 and $1,500 a uh, a date. But they say that they were not having sex. So, first of all, I don't buy that because there's a report in the state newspaper that some guy paid $800 for a cheerleader to come to dinner with him that is, I, I, let's go around the horn. Is it more pathetic to pay for sex or to pay $800 for a girl to go eat with you? Jason Martin. Oh, very much the latter. Like not Paying for close. dinner, right? $800 like to for a girl to guy, sit with you? Yeah, to New York Prime. I mean, I know I haven't had a steak, but come on. That's ridiculous. Danny, uh, Danny oh, G yeah. and uh, Justin, more oh. embarrassing. Paying for sex or paying $800 for a girl to go to a meal with you? Oh, definitely the $800 for the meal. That That's grocery money for an entire year. I just can't even imagine how awful of an experience that must be. If you're a guy and you're at an expensive steak dinner, and in addition to having to pay for the girl who's with you, you had to pay her $800 for her to come to dinner with you. And how much of a loser are you that you want the attention of the girl just walking through the restaurant so people can be like, oh, she's with that guy? Man, that is a different level of pathetic, I think. Justin, are you with us here that it's much more pathetic to pay $800 to have a girl go to a steak dinner with you? I completely agree with you, but I feel like it's not all that uncommon. You think lots of guys are paying? I I understand. Look, I've made this argument for a long time. I think prostitution should be legal. And my argument for why I think it should be legal 
is because I want to give you this scenario. All right? You have a guy who's been working hard all day. He's on the road. He goes back to his hotel. There's a bar at his hotel. He sits down there. He has a couple of drinks. An attractive girl comes and sits down next to him. He buys her a drink, and then they talk for a little while, and he's like, do you want to come back up to my room? She says yes. When they get back up to the room, she says, oh, by the way, in order to sleep with you, you're going to have to pay me several hundred dollars. He's drunk. He's like, ah, man, you know, but then he's like, okay, you know, whatever. I'll pay you for sex. So he pulls out his wallet, and he starts to give her money, and then, bang, he gets arrested. And he's charged with soliciting a prostitute. And our tax dollars have paid for that attractive girl to sit down next to him at a bar and drink with him, potentially get him drunk, take him upstairs, and think that he's going to sleep with her because she's attracted to him. And instead, when they get up there, she says, actually, you have to pay me to sleep with you. If you had to choose which is more honorable, the girl who's just choosing to sell her sex for whatever she wants to sell it for, or the person who professionally pretends to want to have sex with guys solely so she can catch them, trying to pay her for sex, which of those professions is more honorable? To me, the prostitute is infinitely more honorable and more trustworthy. Everybody's selling their labor. If you want to sell your labor as sex, I got no problem with it. So, like, in the in the grand scheme of things for the Coastal Carolina Chanticleer here, I think that if a girl wants to, that's how she wants to make a living, more power to her. And by the way, I also don't understand the legal distinction, and I'm putting my lawyer hat on here, How is it that you can be a porn star and be paid for sex with millions of people watching you nationwide, and that's legal, but if you have private consensual sex and get paid for it, it's illegal? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. That's why one of my buddies in law school, when we were studying this in criminal law, he's like, why couldn't I start a company? It's a fascinating question. He said, why couldn't I start a company where guys pay women for sex or vice versa, And we film a porn movie, and then we give it to you. And that way you're not paying for the sex, you're paying for the porn movie. I mean, doesn't it seem extraordinary, like if you just think about the the, the legalities behind it, that you can be paid to have sex for millions of people to watch you, but if you're paid to have sex and one person watches you, the person that you're having sex with, that's illegal? Jason Martin, you're with me on this. Of course. Yes. On this one, one, you're dead right. I mean, how is that? I just, I, I, all the time, I, I think, I don't like, so I'm not a, I'm, you guys know, I'm not a rules guy, right? I think we have too many laws. I would focus on the ones that really matter. I think if you want to do drugs or you want to pay for sex or you want to gamble, I am of the belief that all of that should be legal and the government should tax it and we bring it out of the, uh, out of the backwoods and put it out like publicly, right? Like everybody sells their labor. I'm selling my labor right now to Fox Sports Radio to talk on this radio. Danny G, uh, Robert, sorry, Danny G, uh, Justin, and uh, and Jason Martin, they're all selling their labor to be part of this show too. Every one of you, I bet, just about, who's up this early driving to or from work is selling your labor too. And you're trying to sell your labor for as much as you possibly want and can sell it for. If somebody wants to sell their labor as sex, I'm for it. So the Coastal, uh, <laughs> Coastal Carolina Chanticleers are now suspended. The cheerleading squad remains under investigation. God bless America that this thing could even possibly happen. Let's find out what's trending now. You can also react 
to the Coastal uh, Carolina Shanna Clears, as well as LeBron and the Cavs and everything else we've been talking about so far. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio, and here is what's trending now. What a perfect pull here by Danny G. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let me go ahead and do this as well. My friends at True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. So this is crazy. And I've got a link here. So the state newspaper where we're talking about this Coastal Carolina uh, uh, escort prostitute stripper story, the cheerleading squad has been suspended as they investigate all of these allegations uh, including that they worked as strippers and escorts. The the paper linked to the escort site, and the owner of that escort site was angry about the way that the local, I guess it was the Sun News uh, newspaper had written about, and the this is pretty uh, crazy. The guy, the founder and CEO of the website released a statement. This is the website for sugar daddies. He said, and I quote, and we might need to bleep a word here, so be on your ball. Uh, to portray these women as prostitutes just because you do not understand or agree with their dating choice is bullying, founder and CEO of the website Brandon Wade said in a statement. We will not stand for, can I say this word, slut shaming? Can I say that? I think that's okay. And find it wildly inappropriate for a public university to comment and pass judgment on the dating habits of their students, sugar babies, oh man, Sugar babies are not escorts. They are ambitious, goal-oriented individuals who is looking, I think it should be are looking, who is looking for a specific kind of relationship. If we were talking about a football player, would we be having this conversation? Strippers are people, too. (laughs) What an incredible statement this is. I don't even know what that means at the end. Sugar babies are not escorts. First of all, what an incredible name. For a, uh, for a website. Sugar babies are not escorts. They are ambitious, goal-oriented individuals who is looking, should be who are, who are looking for a specific kind of relationship. And then, okay, like whatever, you want to be a sugar baby, like that means that a rich dude pays for everything and he just wants attractive girls around him and everything else. Okay, whatever, that's consensual relationships, you're adults. But then... This kicker here is the part that I don't even understand. I, w- I need you guys to help me try to figure out what he's saying here. This is a statement from the guy who's in running Sugar Babies. First of all, I love this idea because you can argue. Like I like to say that I'm the biggest feminist on earth because I believe women should be able to do whatever they want. And so it's actually anti-feminism if you're saying that women can't work as prostitutes because what you're saying and escorts, what you're saying is that you know better than those women what they should be able to do with their professional life. Like, I'm fine with you going and working at an Applebee's and making $6 an hour, you're saying to a woman. I'm fine with you working at a 7-Eleven and making six fifty an hour. But I'm not fine with you. That's selling your labor. You can sell your waitress labor. You can sell your convenience store labor. You can go stock at Walmart and make $6 an hour. But I'm not, sh- not okay with you selling your labor for $400 an hour because you're really good-looking and because somebody's willing to pay for that kind of labor. No, no. You have to go stock, uh, I don't know, you have to go stock 
milk at Walmart and make $6 an hour. See, my position on this is if you're a grown woman and you want to make a living as an escort, you should be able to make a living as an escort. But this line is an unbelievable. That's why I'm a huge feminist. Need to get T-shirts made. Clay Travis, huge feminist. If we were talking about a football player, would we be having this conversation? What does that even mean? If a football player wanted to be an escort? Do you? Does anybody understand this at all? Jason Martin, what is the what is the, the Danny G, Justin, somebody step in here and explain this logic. If we were talking about a football player, we'd be having this conversation. Yeah, that's a bad argument. That's a horrible I, argument as a matter of fact. Like I I'm trying to I'm trying to parse is that just a is that just a straight man versus woman argument? Is that all that is? If it is, it's still bad. Like there's there's no real provocation, it makes no sense. Well, right. football players can't sell their labor either. So it That's really true. makes no sense. When you're yeah. in college, whether you I, and I disagree with that because I'm a I'm a market guy, right? If you have a value, I think you should be able to unlock it. So I think it's unfair that football players can't share, can't sell their labor. But if you if a football player was selling his labor, then that would be a violation of NCAA rules as long as he was being paid based on being a football player. Yep, that's right. So this doesn't make any sense in that respect, and I think certainly that it would be an even bigger story if we found out that a football team had its guys on an escort service and it was sugar daddies or whatever, and they were being paid, I guess, by either women who needed servicing or gay men. Like, that would be a pretty huge story, right? In the state of North Carolina or South Carolina, if a football team in college was all on an escort service, that would be a pretty massive story. So I like the I, I like this guy's attempt to to cast this as a feminist argument, but he really goes off the rails here when he says if this were a, a football player, would we be having this conversation? I think he might have watched uh, Magic Mike two one too many times, and I think it would also be yeah. By the way, how huge of a story would it be if an if a co- major college football team if some of the players were stripping in their free time, we would be talking about it nonstop for weeks. I mean, That's think about how that big if, a story. It would if be. you if you thought if if like all of a sudden the North Carolina Tar Heels or South Carolina or Clemson, if one of their football, if like eleven of their football players were alleged to be stripping in in their spare time, first of all, it's a hysterical story, and I would say to them, they should be able to strip. I mean, I don't know why it would violate your 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 scholarship. If you have extra time and there's money to be made and you got the goods and you're Magic Mike and you want to go strip, I mean, I think you should be able to strip. Just like I think a girl should be able to strip. Because but that would be an incredible story. You're not, for, yeah. If you want to go to the strip club, you go. Like, I, I, this, is my, this is my thing in general, and you can react to this ridiculous story 877 996 6369. My position in life in general is if you don't like something, you don't have to do it. If you're offended by gambling, you don't have to gamble. If you're offended by somebody smoking pot, you don't have to smoke pot. Now, I'm not saying that I want heroin legal or that I want something the first time you use it, you can die, be legal. But if somebody wants to use cocaine and go have more fun, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, you're not a captive audience at that point. It's it's like if as long as whatever you want to do on floor 15 of the Hilton Behind closed doors, knock yourself out because and it doesn't the, yeah, affect my way life that, in any way. I can't a, have a moral objection to what someone else is doing that I am not forced to take part in in any way. Amen. If you want to have a same-sex relationship, go to it. Like, I don't have a problem with that. That's your responsibility behind a closed, closed door. If you want to pay somebody to sleep with you, that's more power to you. Look, here's the reality. Everybody is paying for sex. 
Some people are just paying for sex directly, right? There's not a man alive who hasn't done something where he spent money thinking, I'm going to get sex on the, on the back end of this. A hundred, there, every single man who is listening to us right now has spent money with sex as the goal for that. We're going to go out to a fancy dinner. I'm taking her on a trip. By the way, some women have too, but every man has. I'm going to go, we're going to go on a fancy trip. I'm going to buy this dress. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to go buy this lingerie. There is not a man alive listening to us right now. In fact, if you are a man alive right now and you have, you want to make the argument that you have never done anything that required you paying for sex, call in right now because I'm going to destroy you. 100% you're lying. 877-996-6369. Let's go find out. Uh, do I do all the ads? I did all the ads. We'll come back. We'll take your calls. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from Fox Sports Radio Studios. When you really need to be there, you really need an interstate. The car battery auto techs prefer. Let one of those techs test your battery today. Find a location near you at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Go to your calls in a momentarily here. We're on in Atlanta. Maybe you guys can help. Otis Nixon is missing. Did you guys see this story? Yeah, it's not good at all. Former Major League Baseball player Otis Nixon reported missing. Police in an Atlanta suburb are appealing for help finding former Major League Baseball player Otis Nixon, who went missing Saturday. Nixon, 58, last seen leaving his home Saturday morning to play golf, and he had a tee time, and he never arrived. He left for a tee time at a local golf course but never arrived, Woodstock, Georgia, police said in a post on Facebook. And uh, so if you are in that area, Nixon is driving a 2011 gray Range Rover with the Georgia license plate that reads CFP 9010. So a lot of uh, you listen to the show in Georgia. A lot of you probably driving in to work this morning in the Atlanta area. Otis Nixon driving a 2011 gray Range Rover, and he has vanished. Let's go to your calls. Um, Michael in Nebraska. What's up, Michael? Yes, sir. What's living? What's up? Well, you'd made a comment about, uh, you know, legalized gambling, legalized drugs, legalized prostitution, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm for all three. The thing of it is, though, is that I, you know, grew up in Vegas, graduated high school there, saw what happens when, you know, kids want to smoke pot, go to class. It's just like they're checking out. They're not. They're not being productive members of society. They're completely avoiding any possibility of a future. By... So you think that's not happening anyway? No, it is happening. But why subsidize it? You know oh, why? Why we wouldn't we, subsidize it? We would tax we it. We would tax and legalize it. Yeah, but then the government's going to get involved in it and say, oh, "Okay, yeah, we can grow this better pot." And what? What yeah, do you I mean, think, who, Michael? What do you think causes more trouble in this country, uh, marijuana or alcohol? But that's okay. That's that's a completely separate argument. You're wanting to all. You're wanting to. So when we tried, no, no. I, I think the easy easy argument here, Michael, is we tried to pro, we tried prohibition, right? Thanks for the call. Okay. But, we tried to prohibit alcohol, and everything fell apart in this country. And then we said, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't prohibit alcohol. We repealed the amendment to the Constitution that didn't allow alcohol to be served. And I think if you look around the country, when we prohibit things, we create as much or more trouble than when we legalize it. Now, I'm not saying I would legalize heroin. I'm not saying I would legalize drugs that the first time you use them, you can die. That's something that obviously is not safe to use. But I'm okay with marijuana. I'm okay with cocaine. 
I'm okay with people who want to go to a rave using ecstasy. Sue me. I'm okay with a guy or a girl who wants to pay for sex paying for sex. Let's go to, uh, let's go, hold on, I got my calls lined up here. Let's go to Alex in Oregon. Alex, what's up? Hey, morning, Trey. Sorry. Yeah, good start for you, Alex. Yeah, I'm doing well. I know, I know, right? Early. Hey, so real quick, I'm just going to lay real fast. I mean, I agree with you for the most part. The thing is that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to the uh, legalization of porn and the legalization of prostitution is the sex trafficking factor. Now, people who work as pornographers are registered, they're legal, they know they're legal, so there's not much of a... you know, any kind of investigation going on there. But when it comes to the prostitution and the legalization of prostitution, so many of those women and men that are brought into that world are brought in illegally now. And I think it would be, age, and I, I understand that argument. I actually think it would be, thanks for the call, I think it would actually be easier to catch people if it were legalized. Because the countries where prostitution is legalized frequently have much less, uh, first of all, the, it's safer. Right. I mean, if you've ever walked through the red light district in Amsterdam, it's blatant. It's out there. Right. There are pretty women sitting in literally windows surrounded by red lights and they have a set rate and they test them for STDs and everything else. You're probably safer sleeping with a prostitute in Amsterdam than you are picking up a random American college girl in a bar in Amsterdam. Really, because I think it's so well regulated under their law, Dutch law. Rick in South Carolina. What's up, Rick? Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a recently divorced 49-year-old guy, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I can take a lady out on a date, and if I take her out on a nice date, uh, she may reward me with, you know, sex, uh, because she feels like uh, I showed her a nice enough time that uh, I deserve it. So why is it illegal to sell something? It's perfectly okay to give away. Um, I don't. I don't really see the distinction here. And you know, hey, why can't I just instead of spending my money on uh, the the nice dinner and whatever else we're going to do, just spend my money to uh, go back to my place and have a good time? Yeah, I'm with you. Look, I mean, I think it eliminates the artificiality of it. And again, this is why I say I'm a huge feminist. If the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers girls want to sell sex, go for it. We're allowing – it's such a funny thing. In this country, we say, okay, you can sell your labor for the highest possible bidder, right? Whatever you're doing. What's the goal of every single really talented basketball player? Get to the NBA. Why do you want to get to the NBA? Because you make the most money to play basketball in the NBA. What's the goal of every single baseball player out there right now, Little League and above? Get to Major League Baseball. Why do you want to get to Major League Baseball? Because you make the most money there. Same thing with football in the NFL. Same thing with hockey in the NHL. Your goal is to get to the highest possible level of that sport. Why? Because then you can sell your labor to the highest possible bidder. That's the goal of capitalism in America. We are in the business of allowing individuals to sell their labor to the highest possible bidder. Well, if your options are you can work as a waitress at Ponderosa, and make $5 an hour, or you can make $500 an hour selling sex. Shouldn't you have that opportunity to make that decision? Seems like a very arbitrary distinction. 
We're all for you selling labor for as much as you possibly can, except you can't sell this. I don't buy into it. I think you should be able to sell everything. Eliminate the artificiality. Let the market dictate. I'm Clay Travis, the most honest man in Sports Talk Radio. And we're going to finish out the final hour. We've got a reporter from down in Augusta who will talk about Sergio's win, my guy Ned Michaels. I am Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Car insurance. Man, visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Reading like Emmett Smith here. Did you see Emmett Smith's tweet last night? Incredible tweet from Emmett Smith. Wasn't quite of the same level as sugar-coated, C-O-D-E-D, like LeBron James, but it was close. Emmett Smith tweeted out last night, Congratulations, Sergio Garcia. Never say never. Wait to persevere through A-Varsity. Oh, I think yeah, he was trying to say that. adversity. Yes. Instead, he wrote A-Varsity. Maybe so, he was talking about a restaurant in Atlanta. It's a good restaurant in Atlanta. It is. Speaking of Atlanta, we're trying to find Otis Nixon. He's disappeared. Uh, you can uh, hopefully track him down. 2011, Land Rover was going to golf and never appeared. And let me go ahead and knock out this also ad, and then I'll take some of your calls, and we will continue to talk about Sergio, which we started off the show with. Right now, get a five-quart jug of Pennzoil conventional motor oil and an STP oil filter for just $23.99. Restrictions and details in store. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Uh, in the zone last night and yesterday afternoon and all through Thursday, Friday, Saturday was Sergio Garcia, who finally won his first major. We're going to talk to my guy Ned Michaels, who is down in Augusta. He was out last night, he said, drinking with the Euros, celebrating Sergio Garcia's championship. So he was down there covering the Masters, and he's a part of the U.S. Open coverage for Fox, which is the next major that will happen. So we'll talk to Ned Michaels at the bottom of the hour to discuss for him how discuss with him how significant of a win it was for Sergio Garcia. We'll go around the horn. I think everybody here was rooting for Sergio. I certainly was. Jason Martin, you were as well, I believe. Yes, hardcore. I mean, the, the story the story wrote itself. But after watching that guy deal with so much futility for so many years, and how mature he's come. Remember, this is a guy who for days we watched him spit into a cup. We watched him spit into a hole. After he, he missed the most a putt. Immature, yeah, he was the most immature guy. He was out of control. He has really kind of reined it in over the last several years. Just hadn't been able to put it together in a major, but so, so talented, and I was so happy to see him win. Uh, Danny G and Justin, you guys also rooting for Sergio, right? Yeah, big time. All yesterday in my house. And, like, normally there's not a lot of uh, noise, you know, surrounding a golf tournament in my crib, but yesterday with what was going on with Sergio – it felt like a little bit of a flashback to Tiger. It did, and and I said, Justin, you all in for Sergio as well? Um, I I not not really. I was I was more about Jordan Spieth, kind of because of the whole Tiger thing. I want the the new young star to continue to blossom. All right, thanks for being an ass and ruining for everybody. Uh, I said, <laughs> I said that that for me, Sergio's been on my radar ever since I was twenty years old, and I remember being in Europe. I was studying abroad in London when the British Open was being played there, and everybody, I, I, I mean, literally, I went and got whatever the, the main newspaper was there in uh, England. I think it was like the Sunday Times, maybe, and on the front page of the, the London Sunday Times was a big, in big headlines, block letters, the Spanish Tiger. And so everybody, at that point in time, Sergio was uh, was 18 or 19 years old, 
Uh, it's been almost 20 years since that headline, and that was the moment when everybody was trying to find somebody to contend with Tiger Woods. It's certainly ironic now that Sergio would finally win his first major at the age of 37 after it looks like, let's be honest, 14 majors later, it looks like Tiger Woods is finished. I don't know if Tiger Woods will ever play at a high level again. It seems certainly unlikely. And I, I think that uh, that for those of us out there who were rooting for Sergio, it was a really, really enjoyable win. Several other big stories out there. We haven't even talked about this yet. Tebow hit his second home run in single A ball on Palm Sunday. Uh, Jesus uh, rewarding his son, Tim Tebow. Uh, NFL players are in danger over potentially an arm wrestling issue in Las Vegas. I want to hit on that. We've been talking about the cheerleader escorts at Coastal Carolina. If you're not aware, the Chanticleers, big-time early move in the awesome story scandal. Uh, They have uh, been conducting an investigation into whether their cheerleading squad was working as strippers and escorts. And the guy who ran the escort service is now uh, firing back and is paying for their legal fees, among other, uh, writing also a totally un, like indecipherable response to the newspaper that's conducting this investigation. And LeBron and the Cavs, another day, another uh, NBA drama. They blew a 26-point fourth-quarter lead to the Hawks, lost twice over the weekend to Atlanta on both Friday and Sunday. Going to take your calls now, 877-996-6369. Bottom of the hour, we're going to Augusta. We'll talk to Ned Michaels. But first, Andy in Arkansas. What's up, Andy? Hello, am I on the air? Yes. All right. Well, you had a caller earlier who talking about the weed thing said it shouldn't be legal because of the effects that it has on high schoolers i wanted to make the point that if you legalize it you get it out of the hands of teenagers uh as a high school senior as a high school senior the parties i could much easier get marijuana as opposed to alcohol which is legal and you're a senior in high school right now yes sir so, yeah, that's a good point. I think it's a very good point. Like, technically, marijuana is illegal, but it's easier for you to get marijuana, even though it's illegal, than, than it is alcohol. That's kind of a, an interesting point, uh, I think, certainly. I uh, appreciate the call. And, uh, I mean, look, I don't believe – I've got this ra- radical idea. I don't believe that you can very easily protect people from themselves. By what I mean there is people are going to have gambling addictions. People are going to have addictions to drugs. People are going to have addictions to alcohol. You can't protect those people from themselves by trying to make those substances illegal because they're still going to find them. That's just, that's just the truth. That's my personal belief. I don't believe you can protect people from themselves. Now, you can try to set up all sorts of regulations. You can try to, uh, you know, what we have seen so far, I think, is with all the states, and a lot of you are listening to them in states right now, where they have legalized marijuana, the arrest rates have plummeted. My theory on this is this makes police officers have other things they can focus on that are more serious. And I don't think the crime rates in the state of Colorado have surged since they legalized marijuana. Certainly it hasn't happened in the state of Washington. We have created business opportunities for people. There is money rolling in here. And I think that prohibition, we have proven, does not work. We tried it. We did it with alcohol, and it was a disaster. And now, for better or worse, people have issues with alcohol. Most people don't. Some people do. I think it's awful. But you can't protect those people from themselves. 
I think they'll find it whether it's illegal or not. Hunter in Georgia. What's up, Hunter? Hey, Clay. Uh, so here's the deal. We're talking about pot, prostitution, gambling, all this stuff. And people do this stuff already. So it's not like it being illegal is keeping it from doing it. And secondly, the big deal right now is the national debt. People complaining about the budget deficit, the government spending too much money. If you want to cut into the national debt, legalize pot, prostitution, and gambling, and my God, you'd have a surplus in 10 years probably. It is true. I mean, look, and and I think the big thing on that is I'm a big – if you listen to this show, you know that there's probably nobody who has a national sports talk radio show that defends police more often, right? I defend the police in this whole Black Lives Matter uh, argument, you know, where you have these people like, oh, you know, Black Lives Matter activists saying, oh, they're shooting us all the time. No, they're not. Police officers are protecting your lives at such an insane level, it is absurd. And they are putting their lives on the line to do it. Such that, and this is 100% true, you hear these ads all the time that I do for trains, right? If you walk out of your house this morning unarmed, you are five times as likely to be killed by a train as you are by a police officer. If you walk out of your house unarmed this morning, you are more likely to be killed by a bee, a wasp, or a hornet than you are by a police officer. If you walk out of your house unarmed right now, you are almost as likely to be killed by a dog as you are a police officer. If you walk out of your house unarmed right now, you are almost as likely to be struck and killed by lightning as you are by a police officer. If you're afraid of lightning, trains, bees, wasps, and hornets, and dogs when you step outside your front door, then more power to you. You should also be terrified of the police. If you walk outside of your door not afraid of those things, if you think, you know what, a train's probably not going to kill me today, a bee, wasp, or a hornet is probably not going to kill me today, a dog is probably not going to kill me, and I'm probably not going to get struck by lightning, then you also shouldn't be thinking, oh, I'm going to get killed by the police, regardless of what gender you are or what race you are. That's just the truth, okay? So I defend police all the time. But I will say this about police. We need to focus them on issues that need policing. And if somebody out there wants to sell sex for whatever she can sell it for, more power to her. I would like to make that less risky for her by allowing her to go to police if she gets attacked, by allowing her to go to police if somebody somebody behaves unlawfully with her. Because a lot of times what you do is prostitutes don't feel comfortable going to police because they're afraid of getting charged with crimes. And so the danger is actually higher than it would be if we just legalized it and said, you report a crime if you're working in the sex trade just like you were if you were working in... I don't know, any kind of trade. Sell your labor for whatever you want. Take advantage of it. That's what America is. The reason why America is the best country in the world is, in my opinion, for two reasons. One, First Amendment. That's why I'm a First Amendment absolutist. You can always call into this show, disagree with me, tell me I'm an idiot. You can always hop on Twitter and tell me the same thing. I'm at Clay Travis. Our phone number is 877-996-6369. Always wide open, right? Number one, First Amendment. Number two, Because the very foundation of our country is that every single person out there should be able to choose their profession and then sell their labor for as much as they possibly can. This ain't Russia. We don't have somewhere where we force you into farming or we force you into medicine or we force you into some different discipline and don't allow you to make as much money off of it as possible. I want you all to be filthy rich. I want you all to feel comfortable saying whatever you think. That's the foundation of American exceptionalism. Those two things. 
And so to me, if you're not allowing these Coastal Carolina Chanticleer cheerleaders, it's where this story jumped off from, to decide that they want to work as escorts, it's not fair. Now, Coastal Carolina doesn't have to allow them to be cheerleaders and escorts. They can say, you know what, we're going to make you choose. Either you can be a cheerleader or you can be an escort. But you can't do both because that hurts our brand. Okay, I can see that. Also think it could help their brand, by the way. A lot of people out there think it's awesome. <laughs> like, you got a bunch of hot-ass cheerleaders and their escorts. Kind of makes you want to go to Coastal Carolina. I want to Carolina. go to Coastal Carolina. Yes. Yeah, that's, I, I would think there's a lot of guys out there listening right now like, man, I just watched the NCAA tournament. If I knew that all those girls were also escorts, cheerleaders, man, it wouldn't just be porn where that happened. It would be real life, too. I'm sold. Plus, you're at the beach. Where is Coastal Carolina? I mean, it's it's on on the coast coast in Carolina, I'm assuming, unless it's really false advertising. But what city? Do we know? Looking it up right now. It's like Myrtle Beach. Conway, South Carolina. That means nothing to me. (laughs) We might be on in Conway, and I apologize if that means nothing to me, and we're killing it in Conway right now, but I have no idea. You're from South Carolina. How do you not know this? I'm not from South Carolina. I lived in Greenville and Spartanburg. You lived in South Carolina. You should know where Coastal Carolina is. This is on you, I know where Charleston is. I'm not going to Con. I guess I should have been going to Conway. Yeah, that's why why you haven't had sex in six years, because you you didn't go to Coastal Carolina. Where is Conway, South Carolina? Is it actually near the coast? 25 kilometers from the Atlantic Ocean. 25 kilometers? What is this, Europe? This is Wikipedia. I guess they're not using miles on Wikipedia Okay, they're they're, they're not far from the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, so uh, that's a a school that all of you should consider right now. Okay, part of the Myrtle Beach metropolitan area. Okay, so I was right when I said Myrtle Beach. So here's the deal. All of you out there right now who are considering where to go to college, and it is April, so there are tons of you right now. When's the application deadline? I would encourage you to go flood. There's a ton of college kids, high school kids listening to this show right now. I'm molding the minds of America's generation. We skew young. I think all of you should apply to Coastal Carolina. Just saying. Just saying. If you love America, you probably should apply to Coastal Carolina. And if you love cheerleader escorts, you should definitely apply there. All right. Uh, we'll take a couple more of your calls, 877-996-6369. Then we are going to Augusta, Georgia, to talk about the Sergio Garcia win at the Masters and what that means for his legacy and what it also means for golf. We'll talk to Ned Michaels down there uh, at the bottom of the hour. But your call's next segment. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Now listen up closely. I was really disappointed on Friday to find out that one of my listeners got hit by a train. Guy called in from Texas, said his buddy was driving a truck. Back of the the guy survived. All right, we don't know. I don't want you to die, but the guy survived, even though he got hit by a train. But the fact that one of my listeners got hit by a train—it's a fail. The fact that one of you got hit by a train is a failure of all of us. All right, this is unacceptable. If you think a train will stop. If it sees your car on the tracks, you're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Disgusted with the Lone Star State right now. I know we're big down in Texas. But one of you Texans, you beat Santa Ana, but you can't beat a train. May have been an independent country since starting in 1836. Alamo may have held out for 13 days or whatever the heck it was. You cannot beat a train across the tracks. Now, you Texans, you think the rules don't apply to you, and one of you got hit by a train. You're failures right now, Texas. 
Other 49 states, nobody getting hit by a train who listens to this show. Texas, guy rides, rides, tries to beat a train, gets hit. First thought, I bet, when that train hit him was, I just let Clay Travis down. I can't believe, I guarantee you, so many of you listening right now, if you got hit by a train, the first thing you would think, other than, uh-oh, I might die here, is I have let Clay Travis down. I have let down everybody who listens to Outkick the Coverage in the morning. All he tells us to do is not get hit by a train, and what did I do? I went and got hit by a train. By the way, great anecdote here to tie everything together. Anthony McElroy on Twitter says, Coastal Carolina alum and number one on the PGA Tour, Dustin Johnson. Did you know that, Jason Martin? We didn't make that connection. No, as a matter of fact, I did not know. Dustin Johnson, make sure that's correct, because I just immediately assumed that he wouldn't make that up, but I think that's right. I think Dustin Johnson did go to Coastal Carolina. Yeah, he's not very bright, so. He's a Chanticleer. He did did go to Coastal Carolina, yes. There you go. He should be giving these girls scholarships. Uh, Okay, let's go to your calls, and then we're going to talk to Ned Michaels down at Augusta to talk about this uh, Sergio Garcia big win at at the Masters. Let's go to Daryl in Oregon. Daryl, what's up? Hey, what's up, Clay? Hey, uh, man, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, everybody is entitled to happiness, and while they're on their way to the top, as long as they're not hurting anybody else, man, they should be able to do whatever they want to to achieve it. Uh, Amen. Thank you for the call. We are on, by the way, Rosemary Thompson. Rosemary Thompson reaches Conway. out and says, hey, hey, Clay, you are on in Conway, South Carolina, listening to you now. Love you, dude, from a black chick from New York City originally. We're huge fans of Conway, South Carolina. Love Conway. I knew, Anytime I mention a city, I'm like, oh, you know, where is Conway? And inevitably, like, we're going to be on in that market. That's happened like three or four different times now. Uh, Courtney in Texas. Courtney, by the way, Courtney, before you speak to us, are you as disappointed in the state of Texas as I am that your people are getting hit by trains down there? Absolutely. How how in a rush can you be to get somewhere that you can't wait for a train? Amen. It's it's inexcusable. All right, what you got for us? Well, uh, Coastal Carolina won the College World Series last year. You think those cheerleaders helped that win out? <laughs> you know what? That I, I, I don't think it's going to be hurt in recruiting. If I were a coach right now, <laughs> I would go into these teenage boys' uh, uh, living rooms and I would say, look, I can't tell you that every girl on campus is going to love you. I can tell you if the girls on campus don't love you, our cheerleaders also double as prostitutes. And you're like, sold. You know, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. All right, what you got for me, Courtney? What else? Was that it? Well, I was just, I, I just, you know, was thinking about if that was going to help recruit this year and uh, how it was going to affect their baseball team as far as winning. Because that was a big surprise last year for them to come through and win the whole thing. Are you a Coastal Carolina fan? No, I just I watched them. They were the Cinderella story of the College Rock Series last year. I watched them play. Um, so I just I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah. With no, them. that's a great uh, lots of Coastal Carolina knowledge raining in right now. By the way, Courtney, don't you agree that I'm one of the biggest feminists you know? Oh uh, well, I just recently started listening to you. So there you go. You're going to find that to yeah. be the truth. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Verdict still out, Clay. Verdict still out. I again, I need to get the big feminist T-shirt and just start wearing it around. I'm of the belief that if you are an adult, you should be able to do anything. There's other people out here trying to protect women, saying, oh, you can't do this, ladies, can't do that. I'm like, you can do whatever you want. I believe in you. Chris in St. Augustine, Florida. What's up, Chris? Hey, Clay. Uh, just to just recently started listening to the show. Sure enjoy it. Thanks for all that you do. Um, so I'm, I guess, 50-50 with you on these the legalization of the drugs and stuff. I 
I guess in my younger days, I I was uh, would have been all more for it. But my understanding now in Colorado, they have seen a lot of uh, increase in like driving under the influence, and I can't help but wonder, you know, father of young kids, um, how many more young kids are going to try drugs once it's legal? Obviously, they try it now, and and I get that, but don't you think it'll be a higher percentage once? I see. It becomes- I, I, it's an interesting question. I actually think it's less because I think a lot of people try drugs because they want to be rebellious, right? And that's at least my experience when I was in high school. The people who wanted to take drugs and try drugs the earliest were the people who wanted to stand out as being rebels, right? Like, oh, I'm going to do this because it's not legal. I think there are fewer people who will run to something once it becomes legal. Like, you try to find something else transgressive to do to demonstrate how much of a rebel you are. Jason Martin, you buy into this theory too, right? Like the, yeah. that, I, like I don't. I think that people are trying to when when somebody is fourteen and they want to smoke pot. I think what they're trying to send the message of is not I love pot. It's that I'm such a rebel that I'm willing to smoke pot. Well, if it's legal, and first of all, it wouldn't be legal for people under eighteen, right? So I mean, you'd have to be an adult to be able to get it, and, and maybe the age would be twenty one, like alcohol. Um, but that's what I think you're trying to send. Like the guy who shows up at the party with beer that he's managed to get in high school is, is doing it because the beer is not legal, right? If he shows up with a trunk full of Mountain Dew, nobody's like, oh my God, look at what Chris got. He got a bunch of Mountain Dew. He walked right into that store and just bought it. Wow, that's awesome. No, people are like, oh yeah, you, well, okay, I'll have a Mountain Dew. Yeah, but I, mean, not, I mean, I think there's, I think there's an element of that. Yeah, I've said it many times. I've said it a couple of different times on this show. I just think that there are a lot of people who don't need it that wouldn't do it if it were legal. It's not like I would have drank in high school just to, just to drink if it were legal. It doesn't it doesn't really make any sense because again, it is about the rebellion. It's about the risk. It's about doing something that's untoward or nefarious or just a little bit underhanded. To I don't know if it's for yourself or for your peer group or to appear cool elsewhere or whatever like that, but if beer had been legal in high school, I mean, there still would have been some people that did it, but the interest level from people that I know would have been far less, far less, and I think the same would be true for marijuana. Here's the other thing I would say about substances such as these. I think what Uber and a lot of these other companies that are all racing Google to try to have self-driven cars, I I believe, you know, sometimes you think to yourself, what will we be doing now that our grandkids will think is crazy, right? Because some people don't think about this. They think that basically we've reached the end of human evolution, and so we're, we're all perfect. But if you go back, I'm a history guy, right? I was a history major in undergrad. love reading about history. You go back and read his, history. There are always things that, that people think are amazing in like the 1800s and the 1700s that we think are crazy now. Like there was a genius out there, a doctor, who was like, you know, the best way – to cure somebody who's who's sick is we're going to pull blood out of their body. And people are like, we're going to put leeches on them. People are like, man, this guy's a genius. You know, we got to go see Doc, Doc Thompson over there. Doc Thompson has got this revolutionary idea that the way for us to get better from the flu is to put leeches on our body and let all of our blood get sucked out. And people are like, man, we got to go see this Doc Thompson guy. And then later we read and we're like, man, this guy's crazy, right? And But they thought they were at the very edge of technological innovation from a medical perspective with leeches taking out blood, right? So what do we do now that our grandkids are going to think is are crazy, right? 
I think what they th- are going to think is crazy is that 40,000 some odd people a year died in traffic accidents. They are going to find it unbelievable 50 years from now that somebody could ever go to the grocery store to pick up milk and die. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, you're, you're great. You're my uncle died in a car accident. 40,000 people. I mean, every year on our highways, we have a Vietnam. That's there's many people think about how crazy this is every year on our highways, as many people die in traffic accidents as died in Vietnam. And we're just used to it. We're like, well, that's what happens when you have cars with Uber and Google and GM and Ford. They're all competing to design automatic self-driving cars. And I think 50 years from now, nobody will die in a traffic accident. It'll be almost unheard of. It'll be as rare as getting struck by lightning, as rare as dying of a bee and a wasp and a hornet sting, as rare as being unarmed and shot by a police officer. It will almost never happen in this country. That's what I think they'll look back on and think is crazy. Okay, we're going to try to reach Ned Michaels. He says he was out with the Euros last night celebrating Sergio Garcia's win at the Masters. Will we be able to track him down? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure whether he's going to be up yet. But we're going to try to track him down. I'm Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. Let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And uh, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Joined now by Ned Michaels. He was down, I believe, at Augusta. Ned, how excited were you to see Sergio win? What was the scene like after Sergio's victory? Uh, Clay, first of all, thanks for having me on to talk about uh, golf on your show. I know it's not always the number one sport on your mind, so thanks (laughs) a lot for talking about it. But uh, listen, this was such a satisfying ending. It was finally Sergio's time after so many close calls and near misses. Um, and he going up against Justin Rose, fellow Europeans, good friends, Ryder Cup teammates. But, uh, you know, I was under the 18th tower uh, watching the the scene unfold late yesterday. And with two putts Sergio had because Justin Rose had hit it in the trees off of uh, the tee and then had to chip out, uh, he was in for bogey. So all Sergio really had to do was two putt. And one of the members at Augusta National said to Rafael Cabrera Bello, a Spanish player on the PGA Tour, good friends with uh, Sergio, was standing right in front of us, and he said, congratulations. And Cabrera Bello said, no, 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 it's not done yet. It's not done yet until Sergio would hold it. And I think that's how everybody felt as if it was, I, we can't believe it's happening. Sergio's finally going to get his first major. How well liked is Sergio by the other Euros and the other people on the tour? Yeah, I, I mean, he's a very popular character. He, he's, 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 he's like Seve. He's kind of meteoric, uh, volatile, but has such a big heart and does so much for the game, especially uh, on the European tour side. He's carrying now the flag for the European tour. He's carrying the, the Spanish flag for sure. Um, so, and when, especially when it comes to Ryder Cup, he's very much beloved. He's a guy who had been so close for so long, as you said, and you're talking about being on the 18th green there. Until it actually happens, people won't believe that it's going to happen. Will Sergio win another major or two now, in your opinion? He's 37. Not, I mean, it's not young, 
but he's probably still got another four or five years where he can be really good. And then the way that guys can extend their age. I mean, look, Phil Mickelson was 46 and was under par for a, a while at Augusta. I don't think it would shock anybody if Phil won another major. Do you think that there will be some onus off of uh, Sergio now and he'll be able potentially to win another couple and, and kind of ride off into the sunset with the best in his career still to come? That actually is a really good question. Um, I'd like to say yes, but I'm not sure. I, I think there was so much pressure on this one that you almost feel like, oh, my gosh, I've got it, and that's going to be it. Just I don't know. I mean, his, his, his putting, although he's become a better putter uh, in the majors, has always been a little bit suspect, and that keeps you from winning. I think he could get one more, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was a British Open. Yeah, and he's been close before. He's been into the the playoff with uh, with I think it was uh, a Patty Harrington, Harrington. and and they al- he right. almost won there. I think he had a putt to win it, which was eerie. When you saw him miss the putt on eighteen, did you think to yourself, "Oh, he's going to lose this playoff"? Because maybe what's changed with Sergio is not just that he's suddenly a great putter in the clutch, but that if it doesn't happen, he's got the confidence to believe he can still come back and do it. Because I think a lot of people thought, "Okay, there was Sergio's chance." And then, obviously, he gets the benefit of Justin Rose going off into the trees a little bit. But he had a perfect drive. And that's a credit to his resilience that maybe he wouldn't have had in the past. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's, it's a good thought. Um, yeah, I mean, who, who knows what, exactly what's going to happen there. It just is a matter of uh, – you see guys sometimes when they win that first major, they have a big letdown. And look at Danny Willett last year. He won here in his, in his – by his standards, not played well at all this this past season or during this year. So, uh, yeah, I guess either way, really, you can see it going. But um, I, I have a feeling that Sergio is going to be enjoying this one for <laughs> for a couple of months anyway. We're talking to Ned Michaels. He was down at Augusta. He's part of the U.S. Open coverage for Fox Sports. Okay, the, the question immediately kind of shifts to who's the next guy who hasn't won a major that is most due to win? Is there somebody that jumps out to you on the course now? I mean, a lot of the young guys have already done it, whether it's Jordan Spieth. I mean, Adam Scott was the guy for a long time. He got it done. Uh, but uh, obviously, Rory has already won multiple. Like, who's the guy out there that you see next and say he's the best that has yet to win a major? Who does that baton pass to? Well, I think Lee Westwood's name has to be up there. I mean, he's got so many top threes and an incredible number of top tens in majors and has never won. I just wonder with his age uh, and sometimes his putter just continues to grab him. So, I mean, he's at the top of my list for sure. Um, also, a guy like Branson Edeker, I mean, he, he now is on that list. Uh, I saw a stat where numbers of majors played without wins, and I was surprised to see his name on the list. But he's getting up there, and he's got some good chances to win majors. A couple of times at the Masters, uh, he was a 36-hole record setter in terms of score at the British Open. So, uh, he, but Lee Westwood's the guy right now. It's just a matter of his father time working so much against him that he just can't ever get it. Can't have a golf discussion without mentioning Tiger Woods. Do you think Tiger is completely done? And more importantly, for a long time, people said golf couldn't survive without Tiger Woods. With the rise of Rory, Jordan Spieth, 
and some of the younger guys who have so Ricky Fowler, who probably is on that list as a guy who's close to winning a title that hasn't been able to, is golf in really good hands regardless of whether Tiger ever comes back at any kind of high-level play? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, golf is in wonderful hands. You mentioned all the young guys, Spieth and Day and Rory. Sergio, I still consider Sergio a young guy. Um, But it's Tiger Woods. When Tiger plays, the numbers are so much bigger in terms of viewership that it's just astounding. So we need Tiger Woods. We want Tiger Woods because we want to see Tiger Woods playing well against Phil Mickelson and against these young guns. So the answer to your second part of your question is yes, golf is in a wonderful place. Um, And per Tiger, I just don't know. I heard at the champion's dinner that, that he could barely sit for very long because his back was bothering him. It's the exact same pain, the exact same location in his back that he had when he had originally had the first surgery. And so, you know, typically when you have three back surgeries in the same place, at some point, if it doesn't get better, you end up fusing your discs. And if that happens, you don't know. But I certainly would like to think that Tiger can come back. Can he win? Mm, I don't know. It's a long stretch, but uh, I think everybody who loves the game of golf would want to see that. But I think the chances are really low right now. We're talking to Ned Michaels. Okay, Ned, the next major to be played is the U.S. Open. Fox has it. What can you tell us about that course, and when's it going to happen, and what should we expect to see? Yeah, Aaron Hill is going to be awesome. Uh, it already hosted the U.S. Uh, amateur. It's very Lynx-style golf course. I mean, not a lot of trees a lot of rolling ter- terrain. Um, so I-, I think, and plus it's a golf course that they've never played, a uh, U.S. Open, but a couple of years ago, Chambers Bay, where Jordan Spieth won his. So you're going to see perhaps a young guy, or you're going to see somebody who has a terrific imagination. So I mean, perhaps Sergio, but it- it's, uh, it's a tough golf course. No one's ever played it in a tournament in terms of professional major championship. So when you have that formula, it's kind of, up in the air. Not always the favorites get there, but uh, it's it, it's going to make for great television. It, it's, it really is a beautiful place. Outstanding stuff. Can't wait for it. Ned, appreciate you getting up for us down at Augusta. Thanks for the feedback. That is Ned hey, Michaels. Clay, thanks you can, for yep, you can find him on Twitter as well at Ned Michaels. I am Clay Travis, and our final segment of Monday up next here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm Clay Travis, finishing off Monday. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day as you head back into the work week. Did you see that Tim Tebow hit his second home run for the Columbia, I don't know what's their mascot down there, the Columbia, South Carolina team? The file, that's a great mascot. The Fireflies, the Columbia Fireflies. I need to get a hat. That sounds pretty awesome. Let's glow the situation there. I'm starting to wonder, is Tim Tebow a legitimate threat to play in the major leagues? And I that's not a question that I would have asked before his double home runs. I know it's the first week down there. And do we have stats? Jason Martin, have you seen? Like, I, I Googled last night trying to find his actual stats and it's not as easy to find as it would be for a major league player so I'm not sure what he's doing other than those two home runs how is he batting otherwise what's his what's his you know 231 average he's had 13 at bats 
three hits, two home runs, five RBIs, slugging at 692. So 231, only 13 at-bats. But, I mean, I have to say that's better than I would have anticipated he was going to do. Is that fair to say? Let's go around the horn. Jason Martin. I don't know, maybe incrementally. I mean, it is single-A ball, but him not really having played much baseball until the last several months, it's still somewhat impressive to me that he's hit a couple of home runs at least. I mean, his swing looks pretty fantastic. If you, I tweeted out if you want to go see that second home run. And again, it's single-A. Yes, he's playing against people who are not going to be in the major leagues. But I'm starting to wonder. I mean, again, let's see what he can do. He's had 13 at-bats, hit a couple of home runs. If he were... 20 years old and was doing this, then there would be a lot of optimism, I would think, because there are lots of guys that come into professional sports and never would have that kind of a level of success. I mean, A-ball is young, yes, and he's older than a lot of the guys he's playing against, yes. But if you get to double-A, then you can start talking about the possibility of him getting promoted to the major leagues, right? I mean, that's not a ridiculous proposition. Lots of people will skip triple-A, and I wouldn't put it past the Mets, especially if it gets to be September and they're not necessarily performing that well, to bring up Tebow and see whether or not they can fill some seats. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, when you're the chosen one, is that is that thunder and lightning, is that upset uh, oh, nature yeah. there? I'm not sure what exactly is going That's on. It's the heavens parting every time oh, he steps heaven, up to the plate. Okay, the heavens parting. Well, it is. You know, it was uh, Palm Sunday, right? That's your so, argument, though, Clay. I think you're right. It's not – I don't think he's going to get there on talent, but he could get there because of his name and what it could mean for selling tickets down the stretch of a season that's already lost. If you think that the Mets are not going to be in the mix. Again, if the Mets are in a pennant race, if they're trying to get into the wild card, all those things. But if you promote him to double-A, and I don't think it's crazy to be promoted to double-A. Do we know where the double-A New York Mets affiliate is? I have no idea. Um, but if he got promoted to double-A and then he did okay, I, I think that there's a decent chance they would promote him in September. Now, I don't think he's one of the greatest prospects in the Mets organization by any stretch of the imagination. The double-A team is in Binghamton. So uh, upstate New York there, uh, not too far outside of New York City. And then it's not uncommon to skip triple-A with young prospects and have them go straight from double-A to the major leagues. So, man, I mean, I, I just have to say it's going better than I would have anticipated. And, I, you know, I'm a Tebow believer. I loved watching him play at Florida. He's one of my favorite athletes I've ever watched play, ever covered. Absolutely love Tebow at Florida. I've rooted for him substantially in the Denver organization. I think he holds a unique distinction in that he's one of the few players to have ever gone from winning a playoff game, which, by the way, the number of quarterbacks who've never won a playoff game is pretty extraordinary when you look up Tebow having won one, right? And to hit second home run, I don't know, two for two, three for 13? We'll see what happens going forward. We're going to keep the Tebow watch going. Jason Martin, make sure you keep that, uh, that minor league baseball page up, and we'll continue we'll to refresh it and give you updates because nobody else is doing it other than the home runs. I am Clay Travis. Thanks for spending your Monday with us. And we will be back tomorrow with Alex Marvez. It's not far from the NFL draft now. We'll also check in with Casey Smith in Boston. You want to hang with us. I'm Clay Travis. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.